read Thomas Taylor, we keep fi finding interesting pearls, pearls of wisdom, sort of like uh, Emerson or Yeats did. <laughs> That's why they at the Yeats uh, International Seminar in 1965, they created this book and the Sligo, S-L-I-G-O, meeting in 1965. <laughs> but we continue with the Eleusian Mysteries. Eleusian. Uh, what? Ula. Ella. Ella. Lu. Alevsinian. It would be helpful if we could pronounce what we were doing. <clears throat> if we only could have overcome the obstacle of pronunciation. <clears throat> we'll just call it the Bacchic Mysteries then, or the Mysteries. We're going to figure out what the Mysteries were. Cause I always wondered what the Mysteries were. <clears throat> But no one ever told me. No one seemed to know. Now we know? Or we're going to learn? Well, I don't know. Where are you going? We continue page 381 in the book Thomas Taylor, The Platonist Selected Writings. It was only now remains that we prove in the last place that a representation of the descent of the soul formed no inconsiderable part of these mystic shows. This indeed is doubtless occultly insinuated by Virgil. When speaking of the souls of the blessed in Elysium, he adds, Has omnis ubi mille rotum. I do the first line because the, the great scholars who listen to this want to know. But when a thousand, but when a thousand rolling years are past, so long the punishments and pendants last. Whole droves of minds are by the driving God compelled to drink the deep Lathian flood. In large forgetful draughts to steep the cares of their past labors and their irksome years, that unremembering of its former pain, the soul may suffer mortal flesh again. It seems we don't it's unremembering right, unremembering of its former pain. Did you remember your past lives? Unremembering of their former pain, the soul may suffer mortal flesh again. Is that where you reincarnate? <laughs> and you forgot all your lessons in the prior life. <laughs> hmm. Why do we have to forget? I guess it's the law of nature. You oh, make the temptation, the desire bigger than remembering it. It's the law of it's the law of the construction of the universe that you forget everything and reincarnate. It's like uh, you mm. know something is not good for you, alcohol, mm -hmm. you see. Mm -hmm. 
something bigger. Mm. How we are addicted with this life, it becomes addiction. Addicted with the senses, pleasures, oh, or just the existence of physical body. Addicted. So it's like drinking alcohol, being a physical body, being attached to the physical body. It's alcoholism. <laughs> We're talking about. Uh, hmm. I was going to demonstrate how to be an alcoholic using hand sanitizers. Uh-huh. Hmm. Uh, but openly by Apuleius. Uh, in Apuleius. We've met that guy, right? Apuleius? Mm-hmm. He's the guy who wrote The Golden Ass. Uh, but openly by Apuleius in the following prayer, which Psyche addresses to Ceres. Per ego te fuge ferum. Translates as, that is, I beseech thee, by thy fruit-bearing right hand, by the joyful ceremonies of thy harvest, by the cult sacred concerns of thy sister, and by the winged car of thy attending dragons, and the furrows of the Sicilian soil, and the rapacious chariot, and the dark descending ceremonies attending the marriage of Persephone, and the ascending rites which accompany the luminous invention of thy daughter, and other arcana which Eleusis, the Adatic sanctuary, conceals in profound silence. Relieve the sorrows of thy wretched suppliant psyche. I don't know what he said there. <laughs> For the rape of Persephone signifies the descent of the soul. I guess the, the Greek mythology is all just symbolic, uh, according to him. When I was kid, I just thought it was all like these crazy stories I couldn't understand. <laughs> but I wasn't thinking symbolically. <laughs> it's the descent of the soul, as is evidence from the passage previously adduced from Olympiodorus, uh, in which he says the soul descends corically. What are these words, corically? Hmm? Who's Olympiodorus? Goodness, you said he's some guy who won the Olympics. Uh-huh. What kind of definition is that? that uh, maybe. What kind of definition is that? Uh-huh. Hmm. Now that they've closed both Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard, we're kind of stuck here on our own. <laughs> they closed them all, so I, I'm kind of stuck with uh, doing my own research. <laughs> A Neoplatonist philosopher. Okay. We have Olympiodorus the Younger, Greek, 
was a Neoplatonist philosopher, astrologer, teacher who lived in the early years of the Byzantium Empire, 495 to 570. Hmm. Uh, we don't know if he, there's an Olympiodorus the Elder. Uh, maybe it's this guy. Who's? They don't know if it's the Elder. Mm. We'll have to figure that out. Here's an elder of the 5th century, Neoplatonus, lived, taught in Alexandria. He is most famous for being the teacher of the important Neoplatonist Proclus. So, there we go. Teacher of Proclus, whom Olympiodorus wanted his daughter to marry. Hmm. Interesting. So he's around Proclus's time. Well, that's probably him. We we don't have. They closed both Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard, and so we're stuck here on our own. Uh -huh. In which he says the soul descends corrically, and this is confirmed by the authority of the philosopher. Sallust, S-A-L-L-U-S-T, who in his book, De Dis A Mundo, page 251, observes that the rape of Persephone is fabled to have taken place about the opposite equinoctio, and that by this the descent of souls is implied. And as the rape of Persephone was exhibited in the shows of the mysteries, as it is clear from Apulis, it indisputably follows that this represents a descent of the soul and its union with the dark tenement of the body. God. Why do we stick to the dark tenement of the body when we could be out of it? Hmm? It seems that we're just sort of stuck in it and falling down all the time. And, huh? and you have to practice to get out, I guess. You have to meditate daily with a long time period meditation. Huh? Do you think... Uh, hmm. 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 Well... Now they say the best thing to improve your immune system is to meditate. Indeed, if the ascent and descent of the soul and its condition, while connected with a material nature, were represented in the shows of the mysteries, it is evidence that this was implied by the rape of Persephone. And the former part of this assertion is manifest from Apulius when describing his initiation. He says in the passage already adduced, quote, I approach the confines of death, and treading on the threshold of Persephone, and being carried through all the elements, I came back again to my pristine situation. Remember how Apuleius had a near-death experience and he went out of the body and saw light and he, uh, then he came back to his pristine situation. Do you think in meditation we could go out of the body and then come back again to my pristine situation? Mm -hmm. 
and as to the latter part it has been amply proved from the highest authority in the first division of this good discourse. Nor must the reader be disturbed on finding that, according to Forfrey, as cited by C. Eusebius, the fable of Prosipone alludes to seed placed in the ground. For this is likewise true of the fable considered according to its material explanation. But it will be proper on this occasion to rise a little higher and consider the various species of fables according to their philosophical distribution, since by this means the present subject will receive an additional elucidation. And the wisdom of the ancient authors of fables will be vindicated from the unjust aspirations of ignorant declaimers. Uh -huh. The fables. They didn't get the respect they deserve, you know. Do you think they get... Vin they get... Uh, they need vindication from the unjust aspirations of ignorant disclaimers. I shall present the reader, therefore, with the following interesting division of fables from the elegant book of the Platonic philosopher Sallust. On the gods and the universe, quote, of fables, says he, some are theological, others physical, others animastic and relating to soul, others material, and lastly, others mixed from these Fables are theological, which employ nothing corporeal, but speculate the very essences of the gods, such as the fable which asserts that Saturn devoured his children, for it insinuates nothing more than the nature of an intellectual god, since every intellect returns into itself. But we speculate fables physically when we speak concerning the energies of the gods above the world, as when considering Saturn, the same as time, and calling the parts of time the children of the universe. We assert that the children are devoured by their parent. But we employ fables in an animastic mode. Uh -huh. Hmm. Animastic mode when we contemplate the energies of soul because the intellections of our soul, though by a discursive energy, they run into other things that abide in their parents. Lastly, fables are material, such as the Egyptians ignorantly employ, considering and calling corporeal natures divinities, such as Isis, Earth, Osiris, humidity. Typhoon, typhoon, heat, and again denominating Saturn, water, Adonis, fruits, Bacchus, wine. Dear, do you think humidity is a god? Humidity. Well, I know the coronavirus, what it likes dryness and not humidity. Is that true? Or? Hmm. 
and indeed to assert that these are dedicated to the gods in the same manner as herbs, stones, and animals is the part of wise men, but to call them gods is oil in the province of fools and madmen, unless we speak in the same manner as when from established custom we call the orb of the sun and its rays the sun itself. We may perceive the mixed kind of fables as well as in many other particulars as when they relate that discord uh, at a banquet of the gods through a golden apple and that a dispute about it arising among the goddesses they were sent by Jupiter to take the judgment of Paris who charmed with the beauty of Venus gave her the apple in preference to the rest. For in this fable, the banquet denotes the super-mundane powers of the gods, and on this account they subsist in conjunction with each other, and the golden apple denotes the world, which on account of its composition from contrary natures is not improperly said to be thrown by discord or strife. But again, since different gifts are imparted to the world by different gods, they appear to contest with each other for the apple. And a soul living according to sense, for this is Paris, not perceiving other powers in this world, asserts that the apple is alone the beauty of Venus. Do you think the apple is just for the beauty of Venus? Or is there something to pursue besides just beauty? <laughs> but of these species of fables, such as are theological, belong to philosophers, the physical and animastic to poets. Uh, animastic. These words like trouble me. I wish I knew English. <laughs> when are you going to learn English? Is it animatic? It should be obvious what it means. Anima, it's uh, like uh, uh, life. Uh, yeah, probably obvious, but it's not commonly <coughs> used. Uh, <clears throat> pertaining to an animate, non-physical nature, having a mental or spiritual nature. Maybe it's just spiritual. The rational soul in man, consciousness. It's more like spiritual, I guess. Animastic to poets. <laughs> but the mis mixed to initiatory rites since the intention of all mystic ceremonies is to conjoin us with the world and the gods. Thus far, the excellent Sallust, Sallust, from whence it is evident that the fable of Persephone, as belonging to the mysteries, is properly of a mixed nature and composed from all the four species of fables. See, they're like a very complex mix, these mythology stuff is. Right? It's intended to be. It's like art, I guess. Uh -huh. 
the theological, physical, animistic, and material. But in order to understand the divine fable, it is requisite to know that according to the arcana of the ancient theology, the choric order, or the order belonging to Persephone, is a choric order. It's twofold. One, one part of which is supermundane, subsisting with Jupiter, or the Demiurgus, and together with him establishing an artificer of divisible natures. But the other is mundane, in which Persephone is said to be ravished by Pluto, and to animate the extremities of the universe. <laughs> Hence, says Proclus, According, quote, according to the rumor of the theologist, they delivered to us the most holy Eleusinian initiations. Prosepony abides on high in these dwellings of her mother, which she prepared for her in inaccessible places, exempt from the sensible world. But she likewise dwells beneath with Pluto, administering terrestrial concerns, governing the recesses of the earth, supplying life to the extremities of the universe, and imparting soul to beings which are rendered by her inanimate and dead. You see, in reality, I, I think the theology, we're using all different words and names and things, is similar to Satmat. Sant Mat and and Kabir about the gener creation of the world. Here we have Proclus in Theological Plato, Plate three seventy one. Hence, we may easily perceive that this fable is truly of the mixed kind. One part of which relates to the supermundane establishment of the secondary cause of life and the other to the procession of life and soul to the extremity of things. Let us, therefore, more attentively consider the fable in that part of it which is symbolical of the descent of the souls, in order to which it will be requisite to premise and abandon bridgement of the arcane discourse and represent respecting the wanderings of Cirrus, as preserved by... Minutius Felix, Persephone, says he, the daughter of Cirrus by Jupiter, as she was gathering tender flowers in the new spring, was ravished from her delightful abodes by Pluto, and being carried from once through thick woods and over a length of sea, was brought by Pluto into a cave, a cavern. The residence of departed souls, over whom she afterwards ruled with absolute sway. But Cirrus, upon discovering the loss of her daughter, was lighted tor with lighted torches, begirt with a serpent, wandered over the whole earth for the purpose of finding her, till she came to Alicina. There she found her daughter, and discovered to Alicinians the plantation of corn. See, look, this is the Eleu. Eleusinians. Where is that? Is that a place? Alicina? That's like Ground Zero. My goodness. It's near Athens. E. 
M-Y-S-T-E-R-L-E-U-S-I-N-A. Well, that's those mysteries. The plantation of corn. <laughs> What's it got to do with corn, anyways? It's another corn mystery. <laughs> now, in this fable, Sirius represents the evolution of that self-inspective part of our nature, which we properly denominate intellect, or it's being unfolded from its quiet, collected subsistence in the intelligible world. And Persephone, that vital, self-moving and animating part which we call soul. But least this analogy of unfolded intellect to Ceres should seem ridiculous to the reader. Unacquainted with Orphic theology, it is necessary to inform him that this goddess, from her intimate union with Rhea, in conjunction with whom she produced Jupiter, is evidently of a Saturnian and zoogonic or intellectual and vivific rank. And hence, as we are informed by the philosopher Sallust, among the mundane divinities, she is the deity of the planet Saturn. Mm-hmm. So that in consequence of this, our intellect is a descending state, must, so a consequence of this, our intellect in a descending state must aptly symbolize with the divinity of Cirrus. But Pluto signifies the whole of a material nature since the empire of this god. Do you think they have their own empires? The empire of this god, according to Pythagoras, commences downwards from the galaxy or Milky Way. Hmm. Milky Way, see? And the cavern signifies the entrance, as it were, into the profundities of such a nature, which is accomplished by the soul's union with this terrestrial body. Well, clearly, somehow, it got united. Does this explain how we got uh, hooked up with the body, our soul? Hmm? How did your soul connect to your body? Hmm? Does this explain it or not? I don't know. This explanation is probably as good as any other, is it not? Do you know of anyone better? You don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Are you a soul trapped in a body? Which is accomplished by the soul's union with this terrestrial body, but in order to understand perfectly the secret meaning of the other parts of this fable, it will be necessary to give a more explicit detail of the particulars attending the rape from the beautiful poem of Claudian on this subject. Do you think a poem about rape can be a beautiful poem? It depends what I mean by rape. This is an abstract rape, I guess. It From the beautiful poem of Claudian on the subject from this elegant performance, therefore we learn that Cyrus, who was afraid lest some violence should be offered to Persephone on account of her and mimic 
inimical beauty, conveyed her privately to Sicily and concealed her in a house built on purpose by the Cyclops, while she herself directs her course to the temple of Sibeli. Sibeli. Sibeli? Sibel, the mother of the gods. Uh, hence, here, then, we see the first cause of the soul's uh, Soul's descent, vis-a-vis her desertion of a life holy according to intellect, which is occultly signified by the separation of Persephone from Ceres. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Afterwards, we are told that Jupiter instructs Venus to go to this abode and and betray Persephone from her retirement, that Pluto may be enabled to carry her away and to prevent any suspicion. In the Virgin's mind, he commands Diana and Pallas to bear her company. (laughs) The the three goddesses see this just too much... uh, too many gods. I have trouble tracking them all. <laughs> the three goddesses arriving find Persephone at work on a scarf for her mother. She's working on a scarf, dear. It's all relates to scarves. <laughs> the three goddesses arriving find Persephone at work on a scarf for her mother, in which she has embroidered the primitive chaos and the formation of the world. Now, by Venus and this part of the narration, we must understand desire, which even in the celestial regions, for such is the residence of Persephone till she is ravished by Pluto, begins silently and fraudulently to creep into the recesses of the soul, By Minerva, we must conceive the rational power of the soul, and by Diana, nature, and the merely natural and vegetative vegetable part of our composition, both which are now ensnared through the allurements of desire. I mean, that's pretty common in uh, Buddhism and stuff. We're ensnared. (laughs) We were ensnared by desire. So how does it differ that much from Buddhism? Not much. And lastly, the web in which Persephone Persephone had displayed all the fair variety of the material world beautifully represents the commencement of the fantastic energies through which the soul becomes ensnared in the beauty of imaginative forms. But let us for a while attend to the poet's elegant description of her employment and abode. What page is that? 387. Oh, you need a star by the scarf. <laughs> you like to repeat things. Won't that ensnare you in the body, though? We can't, we can't repeat over it. We're going to read it once, and then we're not. We're going to escape from the body not come back. Mm-hmm. You can, can't come back to it. Mm-hmm. 387. 
Divinary Rokam Serias Quo Tecta Nitapaan Cyclopom Fermata Manu Stant Adi That's the Latin. I may be a good Latin singer, you know. I should just go to the church and tell them, show them my readings and ask them. I could become a priest. <laughs> yeah, make some coffee. Hmm. Mane verate postus imesasakwa nikte krak kwaustra salive nuram tando sutre param. Stop it? I can stop it now, yeah. You want me to stop? I'll just do a little Latin while you're... <laughs> Atria vesti ibur trabidubus solidartur alnes quilmen etem silstasata parastrakalamus ipsa tumum ternero mosum prosipanina cantu rata tazipata japata parata Hikelmantoram serum sarabar paternas Insigna bataku batabaraka corporatum Discreta ve nature parons a vemenina justice, etc., etc. In English goes They reached the spot where shone the bright abode of Ceres by Cyclopean hands of Broer reared with towering walls of steel and iron gates secured by ponderous bars the toiling slaves of Vulcan never with more labor strove. Than when the structure rose, nor ever breathed more lurid sighs, nor since that time have flowed. Since fiery torrents from the blazing forge, ivory dorns each court and every roof with sculptured brass consolidated shines, and sparkling oars and lofty columns rise. In these fair halls sits lovely Persephone, and soothing with sweet song the tedious day, plies the swift loom expectant of the hour when Ceres shall return her needle paints and birth and order of the elements and shows what, by what true laws nature appeased pristine confusion when her parent hand assigned each unfixed principle to us each upsprings each subtle essence while below matter more ponderous sinks Transparent floats the ether, ocean swells, earth's pictured orb hangs in the firmament. Rich colors grace the various web, stars glitter bright in gold. Dark purple flows the sea, the rocky shores sparkle in gems so well the threads deceive. That whilst the enchanted eye fancies the waves to swell and ripple on the moving floods. The air, deluded, seems to catch the sound of murmuring waters breaking on the sand, of seaweed dashing on the marble rocks. Fire's own, she forms one, the rich scarlet wolf, displays this parched by fierce and burning suns, barren and dry to others, temperate and habitable, habitable, 
habitable, grow with softer hues, joyless and cold, the last was soul intract, cover each pole wrapped with perpetual gloom. Are we in a state of perpetual gloom? Hmm. No. Uh, it says in the Quran not to despair. Uh, anyways, this was from I two ninety five to three thirty one. After this, Persephone, forgetful of her parents' commands, is represented venturing from her retreat through the fraudulent persuasions of Venus. Impolite, Ionis, Pramiso, Illumine, Fructus. The day had scarcely risen with warming light. Now touched the Ionian deep, the gradual ray, glanced on the trembling waves and purpling beams, irradiate on the changeful waters played. And all the elite and of her parents will forgetful Persephone by Venus led. The dewy woods and flowery pastures seeks to wonderful. And this with the greatest propriety for oblivion necessarily follows a remission of intellectual energy and it is as necessary, necessarily attended with the allurements of desire. Nor is her dress less symbolical of the souls acting in such a state, principally according to the energies of imagination and nature. For thus her garments are beautifully described by the poet. Do you want to read the poetry? Quas inter sereras prolus nuke gloria matris. I read the. I may become a Latinic scholar now, <laughs> the Latinistic scholar. Did you learn already Greek? Huh? Like I learned Greek, yeah. I know Latin and Greek, and I know everything basically here. Among the goddesses with equal gait, the blooming daughter of fair Ceres walked, equal to them in majesty of face and form, graced with a seed she might appear. Minerva self of quivered robe the woods, like Diane on her vest a jasper beamed. The skillful artist never from his loom produced a, a woof so rich as that she wore, nor with more pleasing subject uh, interwove the many-colored web. It showed the birth of bright Perion sun and luna pale, supreme all day and night. How Deathy's nurse upon her bosom bore the breathing babies whose rosy color graced the azure breast. The infant Phobus on the right appeared, not with those burning and resistless beams attired that shine on his matured brow, 
but Peter in the earlier dawn of life uh, and from his baby lips were seen to burst uh, soft glowing flames mingled with tender cries. Upon the left his beautiful sister lay with Mimi crescent and with coral lip pressed uh, the, the blend fluid uh, from its crystal source. Interesting. This is how they meet. Eh? Hmm. I missed it all. But go ahead. Keep going. Oh my goodness, my chocolate fingertips. Keep going. <laughs> Where are you? Let me read what you read before, and I like. No. I said I like to read again. Read what again? What to say? This seven the page. But you can do that later. You don't have to read it again. You can do that on your own, or that's do it. Why don't you read on? That's where we are. Read here. In which description the sun represents the fantasy and the moon nature? As is well known to every tyro in the Platonic philosophy, they are likewise with great propriety described in their infantine state, for those energies do not arrive to perfection previous to the souls merging into the dark receptacle of matter. After this, we behold her issuing on the plain with Minerva and Diane, and attended by a beautiful strain of nymphs who are evident symbols of generation as is largely proved by Porphyry the enter A N T R nymphs enter to nymphs untreated to nymphs probably and are therefore uh, the proper companions of the soul about to fall into its fluctuations fluctuating realms. Hmm. So the nymphs, train of nymphs, who are evident symbols of generation. But the design of Proserpine in venturing from her retreat is beautifully significant of her approaching the sand. For she rambles from home for the purpose of gathering flowers. And this in a low replete with the most unsenting variety and exhaling, exhaling the most delicious odors, exhaling the most delicious odors, a manifest image, this of the soul's energizing principally according to the natural life, and of her becoming effeminated and ensnared through the delusive attract, attractions of sensible forms, Minerva too of the rational power of, in this case, gives herself wholly, wholly to the dangerous employment and abandons the proper characteristics of her nature for the destructive revels of desire. Always in those described in the utmost elegance by the poet. <coughs> this is all, this is now Latin, and this is a Greek. Wow. And this is the English. The level lows to gentler risings, swelter, 
and towering hills by soft ascent were formed. The crystal fountains gushed from marble rocks, and through the dewy herbage, winding rills played with melodious murmur, lofty woods. Tampered with grateful shade, the noontide heat, to icy coolness every various tree, the fair for mariners and the cornel feet, for archers and the statlier plan of Jove, the mournful cypress and the scarlet oak, arrested by bees and pressing Lores green, here rough the bugs along the crisp paths, low envies crept around and flaunting wines bound their smooth tendrils to majestic ends. Among the shady margin of the groove, a tranquil lake extends whose clear profound invites the penetrating eye to trace the secret wonders of its lucid case. Now, in the flowering field, the virgin rain gaily disport. Venus persuades to call the scented blooms. Come, she exclaims, while the morning sky glows with light's earliest rays, and yonder star shedding sweet influence heralds in approach heralds the approach of day's more fiery orb come sister Nymphia she spoke and reached her hand and plucked her favorite grief in woven flower meanwhile dispersed around the roving maids thrown in its various path, as when a swarm of bees led from the waxed citadel, built in some hollow oak, following the queen, or beds of thyme clustered with pleasing hum, and visit every flower in search of sweet. They spoiled the treasures of the field, some susan pale lilies to untwine with violet buds, some seek the rich amaracus, some walk with roses crowned, some decked with woodbine wraths. They spare not thee, sadly akint, nor thee, pallid Narcissus, pride of all the plain. Once graceful youth, the fatal disc to one, brought a timeless fate and him Apollo mourns with clouded beauty. Love the other doomed to end his being by a fountain side, pining for shadowy bliss and him ere now sepicious and deplores with broken reed, more ardent to collect the fragrant spoils, the blooming made brown seers only care exceeds her train now waving pliant twins she heaps her rural wealth in smiling stores now joins in nuptial union many a bud
and thoughtless crowns her temple with the wrath to sure prognostic of her future fate she too who rebels in the field when arms resound and trumpets play she whose strong hand invisible resists unbattled hosts and makes high walls and cities tremble now in softer soil engages drops the spear and with unusual garlands deck her helm her iron crest shows gay with wanton pride her martial terrors fly and war no more sits on her rose-bound front neither did she whose tuneful bounds parthenian gales explore disdain the sportive bend her tresses loose a woven coronet of flowers confined so she makes herself beautiful Mm, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You'd like to read the rest? Then? Yeah, let me read. Uh, is, this, is that the poem? Mm-hmm. You stopped here? Mm-hmm. Mm. Why are we reading Latin? <laughs> we don't. That's what it was called for. <laughs> but this is a circumstance relative to the Narcissus, which must not be passed over in silence. I mean, it's being according to Ovid, the metamorphosis of a youth who fell a victim to the love of his own corporeal form. Is that narcissism? (laughs) In love with your own body. With the body. A youth who fell victim to the love of his own corporeal form, the secret meaning of which most admirably accords with the rape of Persephone, which, according to Homer in his hymn to Ceres, was the immediate consequence of her gathering this wonderful flower. God. If she hadn't gathered the Narcissus flower... The whole problem wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Dear, Uh the whole problem started when when Persephone went looking for a beautiful flower, the Narcissus flower, Uh and this youth fell in love with his own corporeal form or his body, (laughs) Uh and because she was too beautiful. Uh-huh. For by Narcissus falling in love with his shadow appearing in the limpid stream, we may behold a beautiful representation of a soul vehemently gazing on the flowing condition of a material body. Did you look down at a material body when you were in a soul and decide to enter into it? Uh-huh. And in consequence of this, being enamored with the corporeal life, which is nothing more than the delusive uh, image of the true man or so rational and immortal soul. Marcus, so he looked, uh, his soul looked at uh, the beauty of his soul. He was, uh, Why are they attracted to the body? The and then he fell in the water and became We were looking in a stream, we saw a body... And narcissistically, we're attracted to it. <laughs> it's all just narcissism, then. Uh, huh? uh, his own body, his Bec- own soul was 
So incarnating in a physical body is just being a narcissist. We're all narcissists then. Okay. That's true, I guess. If you are extremely non-narcissistic. But there is a circumstance relative to the narcissist which must not be passed over in silence. I mean, it is being according to Ovid, the metamorphosis of a youth who fell in love to the who fell a victim to the love of his own corporeal form, the secret meaning of which most abruptly accords with the rape of Persephone, which according to Homer, in his hymn to Ceres, was the immediate consequence of her gathering this wonderful flower. Why should I sit around watching you gather wonderful flowers? <laughs> For by Narcissus falling in love with his own shadow, appearing in the limpid stream, we may behold a beautiful representation of a soul vehemently gazing on the flowing condition of a material body, and in consequence of this, being enamored with a corporeal life, which is nothing more than the delusive image of the true man or rational and immortal soul. So in other words, you were picking flowers... I was not. I walked over by the stream and saw myself. Oh yeah. And then I fell in love with my own my own selfie, which is selfish of me, but I did a selfie and posted it on Instagram, which then caused my soul to descend into a corporeal life uh, by overusing Instagram or and hence by too much social media. Hence by an immoderate attachment to this substantial, unsubstantial mockery and gliding resemblance of the real soul, such as one becomes at length wholly changed as far as is possible to his nature into a plantal condition of being into a beautiful but transient flower that is into a corporeal life and a life totally consisting in the mere energies of nature. Persephone, therefore, or the soul, at the very instance of her descent into matter, is with the utmost propriety represented as eagerly engaged in plucking photos from Instagram, this fatal flower, for her energies at this period are entirely conversant with the life divided about the fluctuating condition of body. Wow. Hmm. I guess it's just obsession with body, I don't know. You think it's beauty? Attractive things. Uh-huh. Think if we're attracted to attractive things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What do you What do you think? What the title of this is? What would you call it? Taking a selfie. <laughs> the original selfie. Uh-huh. Mm. What do you call it? What do you think happened? Mm-hmm.